Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. More stories you are not going to believe. And advice that you didn't know that you needed. Five stars. Five and a half stars. We're creating a legacy one call at a time. Here comes my daddy. Your problem is, is that you like me. My dad is my hero. He'll always be there to take your call, and you'll never be in too much trouble if your dad is around. Oh, boy. Hey, hey, I think I'm a pretty cool dude. Better call daddy. The safe space for controversy. This is your host, Rena Friedman-Watts. No, this is your host, Celia Watts. More inspirational stories, more daddy drama, and more laughs. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. (laughs) My dad says that if he were to have his own show, he would want today's guest on his show as well. Mark Victor Hansen, you may know as the co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul. He's sold like a half a billion books and he won't be satisfied until he sells another half billion Once you attain one goal, you're ready to attain another. He says, if you want to get up the mountain, you better surround yourself by enthusiastic, positive, and competent people. Mark Victor Hansen, welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show. Hello. Hi. How are you? I am wonderful. How are you? Good, good, good. Wonderful. Having a great day. Okay. So I asked my audience if they could ask for anything, what would they ask for? And some of the responses I got just to that simple question were money to see a loved one, a life worth living, my confidence back. And so I want to ask you that question. If you could ask for anything right now, what would you ask for? Oh, I thought we were going to do it the other way. Whereas each one of those, I was going to get the answer one at a time, because I'd love to do that. How's that? We could do that. We could do that. I'm very blessed to have sold a half billion books. So I've done excessively well and and I'm not done. I'm only halfway to my goal. My goal, I'm going to be 127 with options for renewal. And first of all, the money thing, I just did a new program because I think we're going into the roughest economic times. Phone goes into the computer. They've changed the computer program. So I apologize for the dinging. You'll have to cut it out. Um, I will. I don't know what to do to kill that. I am disappointed in Apple just changing stuff and not for no reason other than it to confound the innocent and the working hard. How's that? that? If that goes out publicly, I'm okay with that because I really am excited about Elon Musk's new phone, which I will buy the day it comes out. Back to thinking the money, we've just done a brand new video series. You can go to moneywantsme.com and we've done 10 videos for $27 and teaches everyone how to make vast, fast wealth because you know we've got 500,000 people suddenly unemployed in the tech industry that were making minimum 180,000 up to a million two. So that was the first one. Second one, they wanted more confidence. Is that correct? Yeah, somebody said that they would like to get their confidence back. Okay, so confidence, the song in The Sound of Music is I Got Confidence and Confidence Alone, I Have Confidence in Me. If that doesn't work, that you keep claiming that you've got confidence, you can go to my YouTube. I've got a great video on confidence. But the bottom line is it comes out of self-belief and you do little struggles that do micro ways to build confidence, to get macro confidence. And if that doesn't work, then you believe that Mark Victor Hansen grails you and says, hey, you've got the ultimate in self-confidence and belief system is everything. So my belief in you gives you belief in you, and then you can have all the confidence and everybody succeeds at the level of their confidence. In other words, 
I deal with a lot of really rich people. I'm a Horatio Algier Award winner, and I'm probably one of the only people in that Orgos organization where you get, a, you know, it means you've given a heck of a lot of money to charity, been excessively profitable and excessively philanthropic, and you get a gold medal in the Supreme Court. It's a top business award. Most of them are billionaires. And if you really cut down what made them each and every man and woman a success, 100% was their self-confidence. So confidence is the thing that takes us. In other words, I had, when I got 144 people turned down, you know, that original book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, I was with Jack, Dr. Jack Canfield, and they actually said, hit the road, Jack. No, they didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but the truth is, I had to bolster his confidence and mine to get us through all the rejection and our now ex-spouses, just because they couldn't see the vision that I had. Because that's why Solomon, the smartest, wisest guy of all time, says, without vision, people perish. And, and to build your self-confidence back, the fourth thing I'd say is you've got to have confidence to build it back and have a vision that is so irresistibly compelling that you can't help but march valiantly forward in the direction of your heart's desire. And I don't you're going to have to tell me the other words that they did, and I'll try to answer them. A life worth living. Everyone needs a life worth living, but the way the, the number one book out right now that I've got is Ask the Bridge from Your Dreams, Your Destiny, which we're going to talk about anyhow. But it says, Ask yourself, ask others, and ask God. And what we're saying is this destiny thing is a critical thing because everyone was coded at birth with a destiny code. Not maybe. I mean, the line in Jeremiah says, Before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you, meaning that God, if you believe in God, and, and there's going to be some atheists on the program, but the thing I probably have, a, I'm listening to Dr. John Lennox. He said, Atheists believe in atheism and they believe nothing can create something and it just can't. He says, So something has to create something. And if you're made in the image and likeness of creator, you're supposed to be creative. I say three C's creative, contributing which is people's self-esteem goes down when they're not contributing. That's why this whole pandemic has been so disastrously problematic for people because they've shut down their self-esteem. They've shut down their life. They're sitting at home watching TV, all the bad news. Fit to, and I say, you got to shut down all negative news. When I went bankrupt back in 1974, luckily I shut off the New York Times. I shut off all the media. I imploded positive self-help action books, tapes, videos, Stories, people, ministers like the kind I am now. I'm not a minister, but I've written 318 books. So I've been in a lot of churches, of course. You are your product of your input and what channel in your mind you're listening to. And if you start listening to positive, uplifted, upbeat, optimistic stuff, that's who you become. If yesterday I did the longest YouTube video I've done, I don't know, I don't think it's up yet. My team hadn't put it up, but it's called either Doomsday or Boomsday. And it, all the media now is on doom, 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 doom. Right. And I just believe in 25% of us during the depressions, and I'm a student of the depressions because my parents went through it. My older brothers went through it. 25% of the people, business was booming. And, you know, it's because they kept their self confidence, they kept their self esteem, and had a vision for what they wanted. In other words, my vision is that, you know, I'm going to sell a billion books. That's one of them. My vision is that I'm going to help people publish their books at Mark Victor Hansen library.com, which is a, a publishing company where we ghostwrite books for people who can afford it because we are an equity publisher. We charge 29900 and that is we have irresistibly compelling books and, and every one of them has become number one because I know how to market and help the people to do that. So there are those businesses that make it no matter what. Like Procter & Gamble, I don't have any vested interest. I don't own any stock. I know one of the people, but is it they are going to make it because everyone needs soap and everybody needs toothbrush, right? There are businesses that are going to make it no matter how stupid uh, the faceless bureaucrats in Washington are. <laughs> boom, ba-boom, boom. boom, boom. <laughs> 
318 books. That is tremendous. Can you remember all of those titles? Yep. I can tell you what's in them too. I, I'm just thinking about whether we ought to do something on how a photographic mind works. Like my older brother was artistically photographic. I got a grandkid that is is that. And it just and there's eight levels of genius, according to Dr. Howard Gardner, who toured Asia with me. But the trouble is our school system says, you know, you're either good if you're at literature and language or you're good if you're good at math or physics. That's two of, of eight. Right. What if you're kinesthetically good? I mean, like I'm close friends with a guy who won the decathlon and back in 1954, Milt Campbell. Well, hell, this guy is nothing but a body and a great mind. He's a superstar human being. But I'm saying he was known for his 10 decathlon wins. Right. The point I'm making is that there's different levels of genius. And I assume because I can remember what I've written. And let me do the cue to side on it. My older brother, who thought it was so cool that I was I'd signed my millionth book signature would go into bookstores. He looks like me. My parents crashed out kids that look exactly like each other. And he'd go in and say it was me and sign books. And he called me and said, uh, Marky, I'm signing books in your name. I said, well, I'm, I'm thankful, but that is against the law. And I will never object. But here's what are you going to get melted. He said, no, I'm not going to get melted. I said, you haven't memorized all the stories. You don't know them. Jack and I do. Or if I wrote with Art Linkler, Art and I do. But you don't. So he's going to say, that story of Bopsy really got me. And you're going to get melted down because you haven't got a clue what the hell the story of Bopsy is. You haven't got a clue is I was the greatest teacher of the year and, and know that that's John Wayne Schlotter, and who's a dear friend. But, you know, I said, you'll get melted. Your butt's going to get hung up to dry. How are his improv skills? Yeah. No, well, he he, is, he was dang smart. But I said, I don't think he should do it. I know it's fun to go sign books, but go write one and I'll sign an endorsement to yours. How's that? That's he never, cute. Yeah. I did hear you talk about that one of your grandkids wanted to write a book and felt comfortable enough to ask you that. And then you made that dream happen for your grandkid. I love that story. Yeah. So Crystal and I are in Hawaii, which we go to frequently before the craziness lately, is that we're in Oahu. We own a company in Oahu called Natural Power Concepts. We make the coolest devices ever, pop-up windmills that go 360 degrees that you put in between solar panels and and it makes the solar field work because sun's only good 8 to 8. And, and then wind starts at 6 p.m. and goes to 6 a.m. And then the windmills come down. So they're not big, ugly monstrosities. And ours are short compared to everybody else's. But they deliver the goods so we can have energy, clean, green energy 24 hours a day. Now, we still need oil for the next 50 years. I'm very keen on us opening up all the oil again in America and know a lot of those people and, and agree with them because we, we have 240 million oil gas guzzling cars in America that and trucks that need use fuel. We I don't give a damn what Budacek thinks. He's an idiot. You can't turn on energy immediately and we don't have enough. In California, they're running blackouts right now and brownouts, so that doesn't work. We're in Hawaii and, and I get a our little grandkid who was six at the time got a what I would call a Dick Tracy watch, a gizmo watch. And he can only call his grandparents and his parents, right? So my little mobile phone rings, and it's a gizmo watch. I knew it was Everett. And I said, yes, sir. And he said, are you alone, Grampy? I go, no, there's probably 2,000 people on the beach here with us. What is it you want, son? And he said, are you with Mimi? That's her name she goes by because there's three sets of grandparents. I said, yes, sir. I said, what do you want? He said, are you still writing those best-selling books? I said, yes, sir. That's Grampy's uh, opportunity and challenge. What can I do? He said, can I write the next book with you? Little six years old or innocent, but this is the area that a parent or a grandparent can either make the kid, and remember I say you're either depressive or expressive, or crush them. 
And I said, yes, sir. So we put him as, as obviously the first story and ask because he had the courage to ask because confidence, there's four C's, but confidence and courage are melded together. And courage isn't the absence of fear. It's the person that steps under fear and goes forward. I've had as much fear, you know, when you get rejected 144 times and everyone's telling you, hey, uh, you're not paying attention here. If that many people said no to your book, something's wrong with the book. No, I I, I would get standing ovations at every audience because I was telling these stories and I said, you have it in a book. And, and so would Jack. So it's not a question of did we know the story had competence and integrity. And most importantly, we had seven qualities. But this first one is God bumps, goosebumps or chili bumps. That's one issuance, right? We got those kind of things. So we knew that this was the real deal. I mean, our stories, there's no apocryphal meaning, you know, a lot of stories are apocryphal. They're mythological. And and, and a myth is something Campbell said is something that never was and always is Dr. Joe Campbell. So, but we are not doing mythology. We're doing real people's real stories. And that's why they sold so many books because Everyone else read and got goosebumps, God bumps, chili bumps, had instantaneous behavior change. Or one of our seven, you know, Dr. Canfield and I figured out, well, here's the highway and here's the curbs and this is what we do. And we did it and God bless, knock on wood, it, it did really well. I love that. And it's not done. It's not done. Now there's a big movie out called Bestseller, which if you haven't seen it, you want to watch it in Netflix with Michael Caine. I mean, we've done, you know, we're very blessed. Yeah, I was wondering if you were thinking about adapting any of your books to film. Yeah, it, by the way, we sold that company in 2005 for a lot of money and we're very thankful. But the guy running it and his wife, Dr. Amy and Dr. Um, Rwana, are really powerful. They, and they're doing great things with it. And they're, they took the company public and make money and God bless them. I wasn't competent to do that. That My competence is writing and promoting and making books go and helping other people get their books going. But my competence is not in the stock market. I don't, I know what it is, but that's not my strength. Okay. Can you talk a little bit about how the publishing industry has changed from the beginning of your career until now? Well, first of all, I love every part of what was the publishing industry, the people, the librarians, the booksellers, the bookstores. And, and, you know, I've been to more bookstores, I think, than anyone alive, because whenever Jack and I would tour in any city, in the old days, before COVID, before TSA, before all the crap we got in the airports now because of 911, which we did a book on, we would do a seminar at night, rush to the airport at 11 o'clock, fly, start doing media at six because media starts early, do a luncheon talk and then do a dinner talk and then the same thing in the next city. So you can't do that anymore. And back then there were 19,000 bookstores. And we did all the, obviously, the big ones like Powell's in, in Oregon and all that, and the biggest one in New York City and, and biggest one in Washington. And, and you know, we were frequent, so we knew who the promoters were. The bad thing about this pandemic is that we've gone from 19,000 bookstores down to 400. It, it, exactly. But think about it. when you're I can't not believe it. Yeah. So all the independents are, and it breaks my heart. These are nice. Oh, my gosh. Really smart people that got crushed on purpose, as far as I'm concerned. This is this is by design, not by. It, it was not. It was a bigger plan than this little plan coming out of China, right? And we still have a lot of people doing bioweapons right now, which is part of the whole thing in Ukraine. But you know, and, and I got the number one book in Ukraine selling right now. We sold a hundred thousand of of my biography done by Mitzi Purdue called Relentless, which if you haven't read it, you want to read it. Everyone writes us thousands of letters saying this is the most inspiring thing. And if you told me a war zone would be the place that we'd sell most books, I go, 
I don't think so. But when you got bombs coming in and going out, you get a little afraid. I, I I hope that never happens in America. We've never, other than the Civil War, we haven't really had war on our land. So Amen. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, we've had attacks down at Alamo and stuff like that, but basically we've not had a incoming giant enemy. But we could nowadays, except they're trying to win with other products, like stealing everything out of our universities and our IP and all that, all of which is bad. And we ought to have government really do what it's supposed to do, which is guard us, protect us, guide us. And I sat with before this talk, and I don't know when somebody's listening to this, but I just did breakfast with a lot of the, the military guy, a lieutenant colonel who built the wall, who wanted to finish it and got put down by a, a negligent president, as far as I'm concerned, one that doesn't really love America. And I don't care. I, I wanted to ask you because I know that you've spent a significant amount of time traveling to China. Like you've gone there more than I've traveled anywhere else in my life, I think. So, 80 times. But back yeah. then, I was, I was in China, and the point was that was before Xi. Xi's position is that he's a Maoist. Now, Mao kills 78 million people, Stalin killed 58 million, and Hitler kills 6 million. Probably more, but six million that we know about. And back then, and it's fascinating that we've been to Vietnam a lot because our book's number one there, One Minute Millionaire. And we're teaching people capitalism because I'm my parents were Danish immigrants, as you know. And at 14 years old, my dad's brother, Uncle Sven, was 14 years old, or kissed my dad's cheek, said, here's a $100 bill passport. He's the guy who created the black band to take all the Jews out of Germany into Denmark. So he had a Hitler, had a million, uh, sorry, a $100,000 hit today, be like a million dollar hit on him and our whole family. Oh my so God. Said, look, I didn't look. know that. Yeah. So he said, my uncle Sven, who was, I did meet when he was 104, but he said, you know, I was smarter than Hitler as far as he was concerned, because he stayed alive and did what we, I just said he did. So my dad came here talk about courage. Can you imagine going to a country, you know, no one do not speak the language, have nowhere exactly to go. And you're 14 years old. Now my dad gets here and the first guys he ever met that talked, spoke Danish were black. And my dad had never seen a black person. Not that he was racist, it, it, not at all. That that wasn't it. He just, you know, if you've never seen a black person, all of a sudden this guy can speak Danish. He said, wait a second, how do you speak Danish? He says, you own the island. Now, remember, by the time my dad had been in eighth grade, uh, it, it, what he didn't graduate eighth grade, but he had, they weren't teaching map making, cartography and all that yet. He didn't know that Denmark owned St. Croix. Right, didn't know that there were there were people spoke English, and so this it's a black guy who taught my dad English. That's what I'm saying is racism that we're this craziness of racism is absolutely nuts. There's no racism. It's never been better in America. Nobody should get. I never had a slave. I don't ever have plan to have a slave. I've been a slave. <laughs> I'm a slave to my own work. I guess you could say I'm a slave to my wife because I absolutely love and adore and worship her, and she me. But it, that's it. Uh, anyhow, so that. I probably overdid your answer. I apologize. Wow. I want to know more about that story. How did you find all of that out? Did you talk to your family? What was it like meeting 104-year-old Sven? First of all, he still played soccer and, and is very healthy and a wonderfully loving guy. You know, my dad would tell us those stories. And, and my dad, when I was nine, took us back to Denmark. That's why I met him the first time. And the, and the principle was he wanted to make sure we hated socialism. Socialism doesn't work hasn't worked, can't work. It's like these idiots right now in like we've got six states that want rent control. As a real estate owner and a guy who talks to real estate companies every day, you know, used to train for Century 21 and Remax and all that, rent control is dysfunctional. The people walk away from it. If you own it and you can't charge rent, you can't afford to pay to bring plumbers in or new toilets or it, it just, it doesn't work. 
the only thing that works in the whole world is what I teach in books like One Minute Millionaire is that free enterprise. And my dad taught us, and answer your question, the more enterprising you are, the freer you are. And obviously, you know, I've worked a lot of 18-hour days. Yesterday was Sunday, and, and obviously after going to church, I had real fun making some videos I've been wanting to make because it's sort of a free day, but it was not... There just it was burning in my heart to make this video on Boomsday or Doomsday, and, and no one else is willing to talk about that. If we keep doing stupid stuff, we can screw up America. I mean, Rome screwed up because they took their coins and they took gold coins and started putting lead in the center of them. And, and we got idiots that want to do that in America right now. And you go, come on, you guys. America works because we had the founding fathers set up this thing called a constitution. So we operate with integrity. We have a rule of law. So nobody gets to do counterfeit money, which, you know, is happening. And nobody gets to do counterfeit coins, which is happening, right? So you got to you gotta make sure you know what you're doing. 5% of people are going to cheat, lie, and steal. And, and we did chicken soup for the prisoner soul. We got 2% of Americans in prison, state, federal, and, and local. And it's way too much. No country has that. But we're not teaching fundamental ethics and morality, which means Zig Ziglar and I used to do seminars together when he was alive. And he'd say, well, look, it's the 10 commandments, it's not the 10 suggestions. <laughs> no. One of which is thou shalt not steal. And there's a lot of levels of stealing going on on Wall Street. And, you know, all you got to do is read the paper every day. It's, it, and, and the people were training people to uh, be atheists, which is absurd. The universities all started with a Christian, Judeo-Christian bent. And, and right now, atheism is the number one thing taught at the most of the Ivy League schools, whether we're talking about Harvard or Stanford or Yale, and you go, come on, you guys, wake up. Get get presidents in there that have ethics, morality, and a brain to understand there is a causal cause. There was a creator that created the universe. It, it didn't start with nothing. A Rolex watch doesn't fall together. It just doesn't happen, right? Can't, right? Something causes something, and there's an infinite universal intelligence. We're made in that infinite intelligence. That infinite intelligence has a signature called your DNA and RNA, and I think it's 35.2 billion things in your DNA. That is a mathematical signature with uniformness, whether you're a woman or a man, but it does, back to genetics and gender, it does, a woman is a woman, a man's a man, with the exception of one in 100 million, is hermaphroditic, which means maybe you got caught wrong when you were a baby, you know, but there are very few of those. Have I gone too far? I feel like far? even what you're saying right now could be controversial. Like you, you could. I don't be mind being shamed. controversial. You could be shamed. I mean, have you been shamed? No, for... but I see. I, there's only a, there's only three or four people that will like me willing to stand up and be controversial. One of which is my heroes, Jordan Peterson. I mean, he's doing. Uh, I've seen he's him. A, he's amazing. Yeah, and I we were just here with him. He was in in Phoenix a couple of days ago. Packed the house every night. You know, this guy, John Lennox, I mean, you're right. It is controversial, but it's incontestable that you come in as something. Now, you're not nothing. And that's why the school system trying to teach that you're nothing and you're not a boy or not a girl. They should not be meddling with that. We've got a teacher kid, that, and I guarantee you, she knows which your kids are, are and, and she would not teach stupidness that, well, you can be what you want. You can be what you want to be in, intrinsic to what you are. Mm, I love You're that. intrinsically a man or intrinsically a woman. These guys that are governments paying $20,000 to mutilate people, both boys and girls, starting at 12. Hell, at 12, think back. How much did you know about who you were? Oh, I got people's, I got this, boys won't like me, or whatever it was, your stick, right? Oh, they're so figuring out the world. Yeah, they haven't got it wired yet. And that's why yesterday, Utah, or last week, Utah made, so some people will listen to this a year or 10 years from now, are going, what do they do in Utah? Utah 
they aren't allowing those operations and sure as hell aren't allowing the government to charge, which as far as I'm concerned, the government should not pay for that kind of operation. We have one of our neighbors who makes $400,000 for taking men and turning them into women. And you go, and they're all unhappy 10 years later, he says, but he's willing to take the money and he takes a vacation every month, exotic, you know, but I said, look, it's corrupt. What you're doing is absolutely frigging corrupt. The government shouldn't be paying for those operations and the military should not allow those because now you got all these people swishing in, swishing into the military that shouldn't be in our military. In other words, the military is to protect, guard and defend America. America against invasion. And we're being invaded right now by six and a half million people. That's not what the constitution says. We, my parents came in legally. You're allowed a, a million a year. And we should believe not in a quality of equality. You believe in a quality of competence. In other words, people read my books because I'm a competent writer. We need competent police. We can't have, you know, there are some incompetent police, but it's back to one or 2% that do something wrong. And that's all you see in the media. And that's why I'm saying you've got to shut off all the negative media. And that's why podcasting is going straight through the roof. And yeah, I, I will say controversial stuff, but I'm I'm not ashamed of it. The people that argue against me should be ashamed that they are idiots. <laughs> I love that. Oh my God, my dad is going to love this episode so much. What do you want for your grandchildren? What kind of world do you want I for want, them? I want them to fulfill their missions. And like, because our we got the school teacher in the, first of all, they got the best parents that I've ever seen. I mean, we're pretty cool grandparents. I mean, we like got to sleep over once a month with the grandkids and the grandkids are brighter than light and they understand here's the highway and here's what the curbs are. And here's how far you can go in excellence. And and let's pick one sport that you really, you can't do five sports. And and like little Everett is obviously in the gifted class at the top where school here is a leadership academy. And that's where he's at. He goes in at six in the morning because he wants to know Spanish. And I, earlier I wanted him to know Chinese. Right now, I'm sorry, but I, we've stopped that language study. So not that we aren't going to have to probably deal with the Chinese, but they are stealing too much of American stuff right now. They steal our IP. Like Jack said to me, he said, you know, they've sold 374 million of our books in China. Why don't you figure out how to get them paid? So I happen to be talking to 174,000 people at what's called Earth Day with my dear friend, Trammell Crow, who, you know, is a guy who builds all the Walmarts. So he's done really well. And and we're down with all these people. And, and they had the Chinese there and the Chinese guys on video camera and Trammell had four video cameras. He brought eight more video cameras going, oh my gosh. And the first thing the guy says to me is, oh, Mock, because I can't pronounce K's or R's. Mock, I sound like a hairless dog. Mock, we publish your book in China and do really, really well. I translate off for your book, Mock. I say, you are. I say, well, you know, we've never been paid a cent. And we wrote G and said, you owe us this money. And I'm friends with a at the time, the president. And if you paid me $5 million and make him very happy because you guys have been stealing our IP, sweat starts pouring out of this guy. All of his cameras shut down immediately. It was amazing because I'm willing to confront bullshit. Not getting paid when we have a contract. I mean, it's hard to go into China because it's run by the CCP, the Chinese People's Republic. And so I got paid 75 grand to talk. So I got paid where most people don't get paid. And we always had the money paid in advance, minimum three talks. And, and you know, for 20 years, I went there starting in, in 96 or so. And, and the Chinese people are wonderful. Chinese people are lovely. Chinese people that were good business people, like I spent a lot of time with guys like Jack Ma until two o'clock in the morning talking through stuff. He started talking back to the government. And guess what? He disappeared, didn't he? And and you go, is the guy dead or what? I mean, like he created, first of all, he created Alibaba. 
Then he created Ant, which is it's like the coolest way to transfer money ever on your telephone, which is what Elon Musk is going to redo. So we're in an exciting, in high school, you got to read the same stuff I had to read. It's the best of times or worst times. And I add a comma to it that he didn't. And that is, it depends on your attitude. So my attitude is we can turn the ship of state around. And the reason I started a publishing company with my wife is a Plato said the most, his best line, and you and I could argue that if you want, but is whoever controls the story controls the future. So I want a big, in answer to, for my grandkids, I want a big, bright, healthy, happy future that's safe for them and 8 billion of us around the planet. And yes, we can handle the population. We do not have too many people. We do. We have a design problem and a political vested interest problem, but there's no lack of resources on the planet. The planet is fundamentally abundance. Now, Elon Musk wants to harvest you know, asteroids. We got more. I'm okay with that. He wants to go to Mars and take a million people with him that are super competent. I'm okay with that, right? I, I'm on the board of Back to Space, so I really believe the space program is our ecology program. Would you want to live forever? I'm going to live to be 127. And like I said, I've got options for renewal. So the answer is probably not. You know, as long as I got, remember, if you got a high quality health and you want a, a high quality of longevity, I've got that. I mean, I, at 75, I feel like a 28 year old. I don't look 70. Five and my wife is absolutely ageless. I won't give her age. That's up to her. But the, the point is, is that, you know, we take really good care of ourselves. We do all the push the edge of the envelope stuff that makes total sense to us. Tell me about what you do to stay young and in shape and with it. Well, we exercise every day, seven days a week, at least an hour and do a multiplicity of stuff, including we live here on a mountain and climb the highest mountains in Arizona, of course, and around the world. I've, I've climbed everything. I've climbed Whitney, the biggest mountain in America. I've climbed Fuji in Japan, Kilimanjaro in Africa, and Machu Picchu. And, you know, so I, I really dig that. I think it's really cool to do that. And I'm in good shape to do that and, and will not stop doing that. I take 78 herbs and vitamins a day. We do a lot of, we did stem cells to regenerate my knees because I was having trouble. And I thought, oh, I haven't got time to not do that. And I got really, you got to make sure you got the right doc who knows what the hell they're doing or the right health practitioner. You got to do all the right stuff. You do, We believe in hyperbaric chambers to de-age. We believe in ozone therapy. We believe in a lot of stuff that most people would say, boy, they'll push the edge of the envelope. No, what pushes the edge of my pissed offness is, is big pharma, you know, going corrupt. I'm with you there. Wow. That's amazing. It's interesting that you used the Mount Kilimanjaro story. I was running on my treadmill and I have iFit and I take runs through all different regions that I've never actually been to. And this guy was saying that you know, everybody wants to reach the top of Mount Kilimanjaro, but they don't think about what it takes to actually the path to get there. Well, you go through five climate zones and it's tough and you're carrying your own back. There's no Sherpas. Like when we arrived on the bus on the red road on the way up, I'm sitting next to one of my students is with us is a Pakistani guy and he didn't bring sticks. I said, Look, we had rules. You had to climb 10 mountains. You had to bag them, meaning some of them get up to the top, take a picture of you at the top, because there's no helicopters to take you to the top of these mountains, right? And a lot of people die on the way. They don't get to go home. No one goes and gets them and brings them back. So so I said, you got to have sticks. A minute later, a guy comes up to the bus where you're starting and, and they're hustling sticks and he loves negotiating. This guy said, $175. He said, I'll give you 50. And pretty soon the guy's going to walk away. I said, 
you cannot climb here without sticks. You need four legs because there's scree is loose rock. I said, you will die. This isn't like a joke. We're not going to let you go with us because I'm not responsible. Not only your wife suing me, you buy the sticks now for a hundred bucks and get them and show the guy care. And then, so he's got the sticks. They hand him through the bus window and he says, well, what happened? I said, well, the guy died and this guy picked up his sticks and you're buying a dead man's sticks. He goes, <laughs> I said, look, I don't know that that's what happened, but you know, the, the people do leave their equipment. Because they get tired and they get exhausted. And then they say, the only thing I can do is take off my backpack, leave it here in sticks, and I got to go down, right? Because it's tough. It's you, you got to be in good shape. Very, only 500 of us a year get to do it. It's not like you get 10,000 people doing this rope. You got to show, prove that you've got theoretically what it takes. And I expect there are some people that fake their credentials, but I didn't. Okay. So speaking of faking credentials, like I feel like, and you know, I'm not a best-selling author or anything, but I do feel like there are gimmicks now that can get you to be a best-selling author, right? Like on Amazon. And what are your yeah. thoughts on that? Like self-publishing versus the traditional route or ghostwriting? Like what have you learned about the different ways? in which people can publish. Yeah, yeah. There's, so there's four ways to publish. You can self-publish, and I did a whole book on that. I don't know if I got a signal right here or not. Called You Have a Book in You. You Have a Book in You. You know, it tells you how to do it. And my first book, I self-published, which was really, really good. Uh, remember, this is 1974. You could still buy books for a dollar. It was called Stand Up, Speak on Win. I'm doing little meetings. Like Tony Robbins and I are the only guys that did a thousand meetings a year because we're both nuts, right? He always says to take massive action, get massive results. And we're, anyhow, but I did four meetings a day and sold meetings in between the meetings. I didn't have anyone working for me. And I did this book, Stand Up, Speak Out and Win. We sold it from the platform to little audiences, 6, 10, 50, whatever was in a little life insurance office. And I'd do one meeting at six in the morning, one at 10, one at two in the afternoon, one at eight at night or whenever. And in between time, I'd sell because I live on Long Island and New York and Manhattan are five. Where do you live? Right now, I just moved to Houston. Okay, well, Houston's the fourth biggest city and you got Joel there, everybody. You got big oil companies, but the My point husband is- works for Slumberjay. Yeah, I wanted to know your thoughts on that too, but- Go ahead. <laughs> what's, what's Slumberjay? Slumberjay, it's oil and gas. Yeah. I got a nephew that's a senior vice president already who's graduated head of his class. And my little brother's smart and his son is even smarter in helping run Shell. Anyhow, so I said, look, this isn't a New York Times bestseller. It is an international bestseller. It's my bestseller. And before this is over, I want to sign it to you, your wife, your kids, and your dog. If you have one, they all laugh. In the first meeting I did, 37 people bought one. I thought, holy God, I've arrived. $370 cash. And, you know, because I didn't have credit cards. There's no such thing as credit cards in 1974. They didn't come out until 78 with Visa. So it was like, or at least that's what I remember. Remember. So it was like a hell of a good business. I mean, maybe I got a few checks or something, but who cares, right? I mean, it just, so we sold 20,000 copies the first year. I made $200,000. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. Now, the only mistake with it is, is I should have done more books faster, right? I didn't do it. So that was the, the tragic mistake. Myself. So it's self-published. Next, you can try to go to a big house. And there originally, when I came out, there were eight big houses. And then all of a sudden, when Jack and I bust through in 1989 and finally got health communication to do it, we went, we got turned down by 144 people and we're at the um, Book Expo America, BA, and it was great. And we walk in and 
And the first we see a guy look like Santa Claus, very rotund, big beard down to his belly, and comes up and kisses both my cheeks. And I go, who in the hell is this guy? And he said, kid, you're going to really make it here, and, and your book's going to make it. I said, forgive me, but I don't, do I know you? He said, no, but I saw your picture, and I know what you're doing, and you're going to make it. He said, I'm Bob Fulgham. I said, you're Dr. Robert Fulgham. Everything I need to learn, I learn in kindergarten, right? And I said, oh, my God. So it, it was great. And then more people turned us down there. And then finally, the third day, somebody did buy it, a health communication said, if you'll buy 20,000 copies at $6 each, we'll publish and distribute your book. Now, what we didn't know at that time was they're bankrupt. They're $17 million upside down. So we basically saved this company. But they did have distribution. We got good distribution. And and we learned a lot. Knowing what I know now, I wish I'd self-published because I made that guy a billionaire and I didn't become a billionaire. So that's what, you know, so. Um, wow. Yeah. So good for me and good for him. And his name is Peter Vegzo and he went Vegzo way down in Boca Raton and good for him. But I did a billion dollars worth of licensing. It didn't include him because I figured, you know, I, one weekend I read the books by uh, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg and they made 800 million on ET, but a billion and a half licensing. I went into Jack and I said, we're going to go in licensing. He said, what do you know? I said, nothing. He said, how do you qualify? I said, look, in graduate school, the smartest guy in the planet, Bucky Fuller, Einstein's best student who did geodesic domes and all those cool things and 40 books. Everything's a system and you're either outside the circle or inside. And in, in a year, I will read every book, met every person in licensing. And we became the biggest. We did like $157 million worth of dog food a year. I got 15%. And I don't have to package it, ship it, deliver it. And when I got with Diamond Pet Food and they flew in in their little golf stream to Newport Beach, where we live now, I'm in Scottsdale. But my daughter was working on becoming a vet at that time. I said, look, we've got 88 animals on an acre. And I just worked for Purina and they had a best packaging everything. It went to the top and then crashed because the dogs didn't like it. I said, here's the four things I require. It's got to be organic. The dogs have to love it. It's got to work for the, me as a person and a dog. And then we got to put a book in every one of the things. And we still do chicken soup for this whole dog food is still probably the, one of the two or three biggest food dog food brands around. I love that. Wow, that's creative. So you've yeah. learned a lot about marketing too along the way. Yeah, no, no, that's what I did. And answer your question, is it what I did is I interviewed the 101 best fiction and nonfiction authors. Now I missed one question that now I'll tell you the answer to because you asked two questions at the same time. But And I didn't ask them how to write because I thought I knew how to do that since I was 16. And I guess I'm pretty good at it. But is it uh, at least I've got critics, but overall, I'm pretty good at it. So I said, how do you market and sell and hustle these books? And I'm the only guy ever that they said, no one's ever asked me that. Everybody else asked, how do I write? I'm Stephen King. How do you write? Hell, if you're going to Stephen King or Nora Roberts, who's a friend, or here in my city, Clive Cussler, all fiction or nonfiction, Wayne Dyer when he was alive. And, you know, you, you better know how to write. You don't want to go ask them a dumbass question. Ask how do, they, how do you guys market and what did you do that nobody else has ever done? And the only mistake I made there was I should have videotaped every one of these interviews because, holy cow, that'd be worth a fortune today. And, and, and you know, if you're going to do this business and answer your question, if you want to sell a mega amount of books, you got to do what I did. And I'm, I'm telling you what to do. Ask, how do you sell more books than anyone else? I wrote a while of a business plan. Still, the publishers turn us down. The publishers turn us down. And I'll take all the blame for this, not Jack. Is the first line I wrote is, we're going to sell a billion books. And all of them went... This guy's an idiot. He doesn't know how hard it is to sell billion books. The only thing that ever sold that kind of books was the Bible, and that sold 3.5 million. Well, so I asked our publisher, Health Communications, can I do a Bible? And I said, no, 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 that'll never sell. You can't beat the Bible. So I signed this piece of paper that says I can do it. So I went to another publisher. We sold 70,000 a week of chicken soup at the Soul Bible. 
and we sold them at Walmart. And it just, it's little stories getting big stories. And this is not got a black title and no gold or leaf. Cause I thought, I don't want to scare people. I want to get them into the story because it's a critic. It's the first book of all books. There's no Islamic, there's no Upanishads, there's no other books until the Bible. Gutenberg did the Bible. And the first ones weighed 28 pounds. I mean, because the printing was really gawky and, and he did 20, but that changed the world. Yeah, that's an important book. <laughs> wow. Well, like it or not, you ought to read it no matter what, even if you think it's apocryphal, which it's not. But it's critical because the world is based on that philosophy. And I want to know world. like your relationship with God and like, when did you start believing in God? Did you always believe in God? I think I've always believed in God. I went to two churches every Sunday when I was a little kid because my mother was Baptist, my father was Lutheran. And if I hadn't become a motivational speaker, I would have become a giant evangelist. And I've always hung out with the biggest evangelists and talked to all their churches, whether it's Norman Vince Peel or we, we had a book coming out this fall, which would be the biggest black minister ever had 26 Rolls Royces, but he was actually a supernatural healer, Reverend Ike. And you can watch him on YouTube. He's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. But he was my best friend. And and we just did his book, Reverend Ike, An Extraordinary Man with an Extraordinary Life. He died, and his wife said, you know, you're his best friend, and would you write his book? And go, oh, my God, I've never done a biography. But it, it was an act of love, and, and he just, 60 years of video he did before he died. Just nobody did that before. And he filled the Madison Square Garden and the shrine and and Cow Palace. And in Africa, he has 20 million people. And that's why I'm on the biggest show in Nigeria tomorrow, because he was, right? And Nigeria, Bucky Fuller, when he went to Nigeria and lived there for a year, left Harvard and, and went there, said, it's got the best topsoil in Africa. I mean, he was on all 76 countries. I've only been to four African countries, but smart people in Africa. And this Omu called me and said, I have biggest show here in Africa. You want to be on my show? I said, I never heard of you. I said, look online, see how big I am. I said, oh my gosh. Because everyone misses Africa. Right now, this whole idiocy, America should be helping out Africa. Instead, China is trying to get all the resources to Africa and they're printing fake money and all kinds of crap. We can't let that happen. We need real leadership that quits screwing around and really pays attention because Africa has great resources. They've got a billion and a half people. It's the biggest continent. It's not something we should squander. And, and we should be teaching these people. We've got to get rid of their cabal and their cartel, just like we've got to end the cartel down in Mexico. This is absurd what's happening. How can you get Eric involved? How, How can get we get involved? You decide to be strong personally, because the first thing the Bible teaches is, is Solomon said, he uses a big word that no one knows. So I'll just use a word we all know called take domination of your own body. you got to dominate your own I am so you can, you got to be a self-leader before you can lead anyone else. Oh, I love that. That is so true. That's definitely been a theme of this show that I've noticed is that everybody needs to work on self-awareness and self-confidence. Like that has been honestly the theme of of the people that have overcome hardship. Right. And, and to answer your question, when I went bankrupt and wanted to kill myself, I decided I shut off all the New York Times, which is all bad news fit to print, because nine out of 10 stories is negative. And your mind will go, the mind is neutral. God gave us a neutral mind. And you either decide to blow it up positively or you vaporize yourself. And right now, too many people are, I'm lonely and I'm home now for the last two years. And all I think about is the world's going to hell. Well, if that's what you think, that's what you'll see. What you see is what you get, Flip Wilson said, but seek and you'll find. You got to go seek stuff. And that's why I have one of the biggest YouTube followings now is that people are saying, holy cow, I think Mark's telling the truth. He shut off all negative media and, and it's polluting my mind. I only got one mind. You only got one 
you're in this chilicon carne body one time. You got a body, you got a brain, which is what colleges are theoretically filling up a lot of nonsense. And then you got a mind, which can use imagination, intuition. And then you got spirit, which is now you play with the infinite. And I'm telling you that the reason Elon Musk, who's profoundly spiritual, whether he says it or not, he says he's Christian. But the point is, he is in, he is, he has gone to fourth level transcend consciousness, which is where one of the things we teach in our ass book when you teach how to do it. But my wife and I pray every day and meditate out loud with each other for one hour every day to get to transcendent consciousness because you are not here to be limited. You're here to be unlimited, right? With God, all things are possible. All things are possible to him or her who believes. Therefore, when you believe and take action, you're God in action in human form. That spell, human form is spelled with a small g, not a big g. Unfortunately, atheists think they're the big g. They are not. Bill Gates is not God. God does not think he's Bill Gates. Bill Gates thinks he's God. I love that you and your wife pray together and meditate together every day for an hour. What has that yeah. done for your relationship? That's amazing. Yeah, spiritual intimacy we think is more important than physical intimacy or mental intimacy. And and so we're we're falling in love and we're out in back in California and at Mother's Market. We're eating a great green meal and, and there's a man at a cloth sitting next to us and he can't help but see how in love we are and says, okay, okay, okay. Do you guys want to know how to stay in love forever? And I go, oh, buzz off. I don't need to talk to a man of the cloth, but... I said, okay. So he says, well, I'm 92 and I've run Billy Graham Ministries in a relationship for almost 70 years. And we found only one thing works and that's praying out loud. Now, we'd pray to church out loud. We prayed at Holy Man Jams out loud, at funerals, at weddings, but never with each other and didn't say, wow, it is it is a an accelerated level of, of depth of soul because really you're here. You are not a physical body with a spirit. You're a spirit with a physical body. And this is like a major thing you've got to cogitate, ruminate, and meditate on because it's a total, it, it you know, I'm just to my physical form. Because when you're 14, oh, if I look beautiful, if I do lipstick, if I have makeup, the boys will look at me or the men. If I get tall and strong, I'll be tall, dark, and handsome. The women will look at me. Whatever nonsense, we are our body for a long time, but you're not your body. That's the point. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. No, I'm totally with you. And I know, too, like you've had visions. My dad gets visions. Yeah. My wife, our whole, uh, which we're making into a movie now, The Fable of Michaela. My wife's written a whole screenplay. I love that story. Yeah. 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 Well, we've changed it. She's got 150 pages. It's extraordinary, you know, because she has prophetic vision. Now, I'm saying everyone is entitled to that, but most people, no, I'm just a human being. I'm a medical doctor. I'm an engineer. I'm a janitor. I'm a garbage man. No, no, no. That's what you do. That's not who you are. What are some of the visions that you feel like have been prophetic in your life that have caused you to pivot? Getting into book and audio and video business has just been phenomenal for me. I mean, that's who I am. I'm here to be a profound creator and love doing it every minute. I mean, that's why yesterday doing these videos was just exquisitely exciting for me because I know before the, the audience I have that likes me, there are a lot of people that say, oh, Mark's full of it. And, and I am. I'm full of enthusiasm. I'm full of joy. I'm full of ecstasy. I'm full of euphoria. And, you know, what happens is if you're down low enough and negative enough and pissed off and angry and fearful and doubtful, that's the opposite of where I am. So they go, Mark's not real. You know, nobody could be that happy. I, I mean, I hear that frequently. So I go, no, they're not using their stuff. They are not. Here, here's the problem with not using your stuff. You can go to YouTube today and do the near-death experience, the NEDs, 20,000 of them. Uniformly, there's only one thing said. They died too early. And I'm friends with a lot of these people. 
They went to the other, like Damien, the guy got hit with a lightning bolt three times. He's a pal of mine. So they die, go to the other side, and they meet whatever their spiritual experience is going to be, and the colors are brighter. The right, We're not limited to the little electromagnetic spectrum is that big. So the colors are brighter. The music's better. The people, the love, the warmth, the joy, because you're back home again. And to a person, they're told the same thing. They'll meet yourself, excuse me. You didn't finish your assignment. Remember, you came in with, remember what we said in our ASP book, you have a destiny code. I'm on my destiny code. My wife's on her destiny code. And I. everybody comes to me even this morning and wants to sidetrack me to their destiny code. And I said, I can't do what you're asking. I'm, I'm doing my job. You do your job. I'm in my right livelihood. And that's why you come to me because I've got, I'm a person of influence, but you're asking for something that I believe in, but that's not my job. My job is not making you successful. My job is making me export to the people because Psalm 72, your job is to be an influencer of influencers. And that's what your show is. Yeah. Wow. I mean, if you come down to the what, what it is, that's the job. Now, if you do a good job and you have enough credible people, everybody else swarm to your show. We got right. time for one more question. From your mouth to God's ears. Okay. Well, my final question is, is there anything that you would like to ask my dad or did your dad give you any advice that has stayed with you? Two things. I would love your dad and every dad, especially because they're supposed to be the head of the household, to go to askthebookclub.com and join it. It's free because Crystal and I want everyone to become a master asker. So askthebookclub.com. You'll love it. We'll love it. We'll share it. We'll help you. And my dad's best advice to me was the more enterprising you are, the freer you are. So anything you take the self-initiative to act on that is your dedicated purpose you're going to pull off like people say well you can't sell a billion books no i haven't sold a billion books i sold a half billion but i will sell a billion i'm going to live long enough i've got a lot of momentum a lot of people like what i'm doing we're now figuring out how to go to eight billion people rather than just a limited american market which is a great market in the chinese market but we'll figure out we think we've figured it out and we've got the right partners now to do pull off stuff no one's ever pulled off because the publishing industry which i love and adore and the people have been great to me but they all we publish books we don't help you market we will not introduce you to the other authors. And I go, Tinker Toys, I'm introducing all my co-authors and co-contributors to each other. And they're all serving each other. This morning at breakfast, two showed up that I didn't even expect to be there from Boston. It's amazing. They really are figuring out how do we leverage up back to a word you use? How do we elevate and make each of us more successful? Because when the tide comes in, all ships rise and, and the tide's coming in, people are getting bored with negative news. And they're saying, hey, wait a second, let's go back and read. If Mark's telling the truth, we read a book a week that's positive, self-help, inspirational, and we read one autobiography a, a month by somebody great that pulled off and went through the odds. Because all of us, Peterson, Jordan Peterson's right. There's only two incontestables about each of us. You're going to have pain and you're going to have suffering. Now, people look at Crystal and I being happy and say, well, you guys never have that. No, we are in it right now. Everybody's in it all the time at some level. We It's called, the in spiritual language, it's a vicissitudes of life. All of us pulsate. The point is, some of us handle it with a smile. Some of us go, oh, if you had it as bad as I had it, then you wouldn't be so happy. Well, no, you've decided to be unhappy. That's a dumbass squared idea. And I'm holding up a mirror and saying, hey, wait a second. If you studied, and I won the Happy uh, Man in uh, the Year Award last year at Stanford, right? They, I got a big try. Anyhow, Muhammad Ali got it one time. I got it. Mother Teresa got it. Now I got it. So the point is, you decide to be happy, and you decide that you're going to overcome your stuff. Because all of us get stuff. You all get hit in the solar plexus. There's nobody gets out clean, according to Peterson. And I, I think Jordan's right. I never thought about it before he said it, but I agree with him. 
I love that. Wow. Well, you have super inspired me. And one thing I learned from reading your book was get specific in what you ask for. Yeah, I say write down too many things because most of us are not, we want too much, we want too little. And that's why, so in answer to your question, I got to finalize with this thing, is that everybody shouldn't buy one ask book, they should buy two and go over all 178 questions, could be your dad, could be your mom, could be your spouse or spouse equivalent, could be your church, temple, ashram, mosque, mass, you know, mastermind partner, I don't care who, but when two get together, they have the power of 11, you will ignite each other and you will find out what your destiny code is. I don't know your destiny code code. And I'm not here presumptuously saying, hey, this is your destiny. I'm just telling you, I know my destiny. I'm holding up a mirror. If you'll go through those 178 questions, we got a gazillion letters, sometimes in the old days, 5,000 letters a day saying this, holy cow, I didn't know I had a destiny code. Everyone does. Yeah. You're amazing. Thank, Thank you. you. Continued success. And yeah. It was wonderful. Thank you for Scott Carson. I'm going to give him a shout out for introducing us. And I I know another person that I crossed paths with recently, you're getting ready to go to the Super Bowl with, Matt Drinkon. Oh, I love Matt. Yep. Okay, thank you. I will send you all of the assets and everything. I have loved this whole conversation. Thank you so much. Blessings. Thank you. Thank you. Blessings to you and your family. Now, let's switch it over to Grandpa. All right. So Mark Victor Hansen, we started off and he was talking about confidence makes people successful. Well, what's funny is that it goes hand in hand with something even more important than confidence is encouragement. You can't have confidence if you don't get encouragement. When a six-year-old comes up to you and wants to be part of one of your adventures, what did he say? Let's climb that mountain. Let's do it. Because if not, you could fall off the mountain or you can get crushed at a very early age if you are shooting for the stars and somebody says that you can't do it, that it's not attainable. And when do we really dream the most? When we're a five-year-old or a six-year-old, we think that we can do anything. We think the whole world is our oyster. So if somebody tells you at a young age that you'll never be anything, you'll never be able to do this, you'll never be able to do that. You're already in a very tough position. You're crushed and you've put a ceiling. You've heard the glass ceiling, but it's hard to break through it, especially if everybody puts you down at certain levels. And what's interesting is that his middle name is Victor and he's always shooting for victories. How do you get these victories? It's by getting the experience, learning from your choices and never giving up. And having a vision. And having a vision and following through and learning the intricacies of what it takes to be successful. And it's a hard and long road. And what's also interesting is that he is out there climbing mountains all over the world because instead of shooting for the moon, he's shooting for what he can reach at the highest points of Earth. But he doesn't want to stop Musk from going to Mars or having visions of taking minerals off of asteroids. He thinks thinking outside the box is also part of our destiny, that we are not here limited in any way, that we are here to be creative and we are here to experience that anything is possible. And how could anything or anybody think otherwise when God has been phenomenal showing us miracles and how anything is possible? So if you can be connected with your thoughts and you can think at a higher, higher level, and your concentration, and you are working on your spiritual reality, guess what? 
We all have that capability, but not many attain that. And then if somebody like, you know, we, we talked about Tesla as a car or a company, but Nicholas Tesla, who's probably the father of uh, the lighting industry, the father of physics and a lot of different things, was thinking about just before he passed away, that he thought that, again, guys like George Westinghouse and Thomas Edison's were complete morons for the kind of brilliancies that they were given over lighting and everything with the light bulbs that was so archaic, but that's all they had the resources for during that time. So he was thinking near the end of his life where they thought he was nuts and even went to a New York hearing to see if they could have him committed because he thought that communication should be done with satellites from outer space. So somebody who was absolutely brilliant, one of the most brilliant people on earth, other people thought that he was nuts and thought that he should be committed. Unbelievable. The other interesting side note here is that you have to also have morality. You also have to have God's DNA that he's given all of us and know that, you know, he was talking about men and women and he was talking about your body, but it's the spirit is covered in the body. It's not where the body comes first and you die. It's your spirit. That's the infinite part of life. And that continues. And the truth of the matter is, is that we are here to develop our spiritual side. We're here to try to be creative. We're here to share experiences and try to better mankind and outside of the physical world. Because if we just think of things on a physical basis, that has a termination to it. So if you think that way, or you think that there isn't an infinite possibilities, then you, you're going to be limited throughout finite. life. You, you're going to then actually be finite. So when you ask me that question about Rafi taking these master lessons, and you says, well, unless he's uh, practicing and playing or getting good results, why should I spend the money? And it's just the, again, just the opposite. It's getting the competent lessons, getting that intrigue of depth. The results will speak for itself later on. But even if they don't, to get that experience and to get that knowledge and where he takes it in wholeheartedly, that's the main point, not what results that he's actually going to get out of it. And the truth of the matter is, is that the more competent people you surround yourself with, the more positive people you surround yourself, you can't help but get better results. And to win. And that's what makes you a winner. But isn't it interesting that sometimes the most successful people out there uh, making money have lost all their money first, where they learn that what comes easy can also go away very easy, and that it takes a lot of dedication, a lot of discipline, a lot of careful planning in order to ascertain those heights. And even climbing mountains, you're going through different atmospheres, different weather conditions, a lot of variables that a lot of people don't realize how difficult it can be. And where people climb a mountain and can fall off of it and die, even in the physical world, where they, they don't understand that there's a lot to the so-called quote of being successful, is that it takes a lot of preparation at whatever we do. But we can all cry. We can all hide under the covers. We can all say, this can't be done and that can't be done. And those people become limited and finite. But those that shoot for the stars, isn't that what I told you when you were a little girl? Or You've always told climb, me that. Or to climb every mountain, those are the people that have a chance to have success or lasting success. All right. I think you guys share a mother. 
I think we share the same mother, but this is this is the thing. The idea is that we have to do that sharing of knowledge and communication and give it to as many people as we can, because not only does it help us and make our wisdom rating go up, but it, it elevates one person at a time, the entire world. And that's the type of investment that is long lasting. It's not necessarily just in dollars and cents. Signing off. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. 